I'm uh, Jeff Nyquist. Uh, my website, jrnyquist.com. This is the Wednesday, uh, November 19th podcast. And with me is uh, my co-person, uh, Jan Lamprecht, my co-host, I suppose. We're going to be discussing uh, discussing uh, Obama, uh, uh, Barack Obama's election to the presidency of the United States, its its impact on Africa and its its impact here and uh, I, I'm going to start out the discussion by noting something. If you do a Google search and you put Barack Obama's name in Google and you, you put a little plus sign and then you put narcissist or narcissism, you're going to get a huge uh, list of articles on the Internet about is our Obama a narcissist, uh, Obama and narcissism. Uh, there is a, the most interesting of these was written by uh, an Iranian uh, American named Ali Sinha, uh, and his uh, article is called "Understanding Obama: The Making of a Führer." The title sounds pretty outrageous, but it's very interesting. And I just wanted to read briefly from this uh, piece. He writes, "Never a politician in this land had such a quasi-religious impact on so many people. The fact that Obama is a total incognito with zero accomplishment." makes this inexplicable infatuation alarming. Obama is not an ordinary man. He is not a genius. In fact, he is quite ignorant on most important subjects. Barack Obama is a narcissist. Dr. Sam Vaknin, the author of Malignant Self-Love, also believes Barack Obama appears to be a narcissist. Vaknin is a world authority on narcissism. He understands it and describes the inner mind of a narcissist like no other person. When he talks about narcissism, everyone listens. Vaknin says that Obama's language, posture, and demeanor, and the testimonies of his closest, nearest, and dearest suggest that the senator is either a narcissist, or he may have narcissistic personality disorder. Narcissists project a grandiose but false image of themselves. Jim Jones, a charismatic leader of the People's Temple, the man who led over 900 of his followers to cheerfully commit mass suicide and even murder their own children, was also a narcissist. Charles Manson, Joseph Kony, Shoku Asahara, Joe Stalin, Saddam, Mao Zedong, Kim Jong-il, and Adolf Hitler are a few examples of narcissists of our time. All these men had a tremendous influence over their fanciers and followers. They created a personality cult around themselves and with their blazing speeches elevated their admirers' souls, filled their hearts with enthusiasm, and instilled in their minds a new zest for life. Those men gave their followers hope. They promised them the moon, but alas, they invariably brought them to their doom. When you are a victim of a cult of personality, you don't know it until it is too late. Just a snippet of the article Understanding Obama, The Making of a Fear by Ali Sinha. Check that out. Do a Google on the Internet. And that's just, just a teaser. And you know what? Um, I will say, Jan, in my first impression, I was kind of excited to hear about this new black politician who was so well-spoken and, and seemed to speak in measured tones. And I started reading his book, and I was very impressed. This guy is very smart. Uh, he, 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 he makes his liberalism sound reasonable in the middle of the road. Uh, but when I saw him speak, when I watched him, I did become uneasy at the body language and at the uh, the expressions. 
And I also noted, after a time, I started catching him out in lies, that he misrepresented, that he didn't answer questions directly, and he was the media's darling. And I even saw, I have no sympathy for Hillary Clinton, but I watched the debates in the Democratic primaries between Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton, and I said, these journalists are being so unfair to that poor woman. I mean, I never thought in my life I'd feel sorry for Hillary Clinton, but (laughs) she she was treated abominably. And and it was as if there was no apology from the liberal media. And in, in fact, Hillary and the Hillary campaign started going running to Fox News, conservative Fox News, saying, "You're the only fair people out here." Wow. <laughs> it wow. is. It is. It is fascinating. And of course, it is a cult of personality. Uh, the reaction, you know, was, was the the one joy that I had in him being elected, was that a lot of my my liberal or or left wing friends. When I, you know, and I, I uh, told my left-wing friends, I said, watch this guy. He's the guy to watch. And they all said, oh, no, a black guy could never get elected. This is too racist a country. I go, no, he can be elected. Watch. Sure enough, he beat Hillary. And they said, oh, but still, the country's too racist. They'll never, you know, the Republicans will win. And I said, no, if anyone can beat the Republicans, he has a better chance than Hillary. Really. Right. And, of course, that, my analysis was correct. He did have the better chance. He soundly defeated John McCain in the general election. And, and one after another of my, my left-of-center friends came to me and I said, well, what do you think of our new president? And they, they had to admit that they were wrong about America being a racist country, that America elected a black president. Yes. Um, or what you in South Africa would call a colored president because he's really only half black. He's the son of an African from Kenya, yes. and the 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 son of an American uh, woman, uh, originally born, I think, in Kansas, but but raised in Washington State, and uh, so so it it it's uh, it's a very interesting story. Uh, what's happened yes. here? And now, what is the reaction? Tell me, what's the reaction in South Africa to this? Well, the reaction here in Africa is absolute mania. Um, it's they've been talking about Obama. Um, they have a name for Nelson Mandela here. They call him Madiba. And Madiba is like dad. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's a sort of a sweet name for Nelson Mandela. And then they say that Obama, and they used to talk about Madiba mania. And so now they're saying um, Obama is the second Madiba or is the second Mandela. And everybody in Africa is expecting Obama to do great things for Africa. On the one hand, everybody in Africa is waiting for more money from America. Um, People in Zimbabwe are hoping that uh, Obama will kick Robert Mugabe out and will be able to say things to Robert Mugabe that, that a white president could never say. So there's all sorts of hope, and, and they were hoping that we'd get more money here in South Africa, but today on the news, um, the American ambassador, who is an, a black American, he actually said that we in South Africa should not expect more trade under Obama. Uh, he said that due to the financial crisis, we should expect less trade. Hmm. So, but but in the media, there's been a lot of hype, and everyone's been doing their nut over Obama. Hmm. So. Yeah. It's 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 very interesting um, the false expectation because 
there's not going to be uh, enough money here in the United States to even run the federal government, let alone give anything away to Africa. I think President well, Bush is always... What's amazing is President Bush has is, is, is spent billions on fighting AIDS in Africa. Yes. Uh, does you he know, get much credit for that? You know what? They, they actually mentioned tonight that the U.S. government had given a billion U.S. dollars uh, just to fight AIDS in South Africa. I actually can't believe it because, you know... A billion U.S. dollars translated into our money is a heck of a lot of money, Jeff. Um, the amount of money the ANC gets for free from America and from Europe is, is staggering. You know, so for us, these are enormous amounts of money. Look, they don't give too much praise. They will mention it now and then in passing, but, but nobody, let me put it this way, George Bush is hated in South Africa. I mean, nobody really? anything. Yeah, they hate him. They, nobody has anything good to ever say about George Bush. They, they reckon he's a right-wing idiot. Really, a moron. He's portrayed as a moron. Hmm. That's think, similar to how the left-wing media portrays him here. <laughs> yeah, they, 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 they put, you know, people, you should see some of the cartoons, like our, our best political cartoonist in this country is actually a left-wing Jewish guy. Whenever he draws a cartoon of George Bush, he, draw, he draws him with these huge ears. He draws him so that he looks like a monkey. <laughs> oh. it's, it's very unflattering, I was telling you. <laughs> very unflattering. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. Um, now, of course, uh, uh, the thing that... But you know uh, what? Yeah. In, in this, this country, whenever a Democrat wins, the left-wing media here loves it. So when Bill Clinton was elected, you know, people loved Bill Clinton. So whenever a Republican is elected, they hate the Republicans. <clears throat> but that's the way our media is here because our media, um, our media is very left. And my guess is that Ronald Reagan and uh, George Bush had more goodwill and more positive things that they were willing to do for Africa than, than either Bill Clinton, who did nothing, by the way, when the Rwanda thing blew up. Um, yes. And uh, and of course, really has did not do what George Bush did for for AIDS in Africa. But you know, there's no you if you help people, you just earn their scorn. It seems. Well, you know what I I have a belief that you shouldn't help people who are really your enemies. Yes, because it doesn't doesn't really make them love you. You know, the the whole politics. You must understand that that despite the ANC being split into factions and all that, at the end, at the end of the day, Jeff, in this country and among the, the, the people here, um, capitalism and business is seen as evil. Mm. You know, I, I must tell you about a course I went on at my work, because I actually work for a bank. <clears throat> and I went on a course uh, about a year ago. It was called Care and Growth. And I thought to myself... I, I didn't want to go and attend this rubbish, but it was one of these compulsory things. So I went and I sat in on this course, and it was a course given by a white woman. And she spent the whole day trying to convince us that the reason we come to work is not to get a paycheck at the end of the month. The reason we come to work is because we want to do good things for other people. And I kept saying to her, listen, lady, I'm telling you now, if there's no paycheck for me at the end of the month, I'm not coming to work. You, you'll see that in short order. But then I realized that, that this whole story that they were trying to spin, it was a bunch of psychobabble. The, they were actually trying to do this to motivate the non-white workers 
because the non-whites who work in businesses have been so indoctrinated with communism and socialism that they believe they are working for something that is evil. And so in order to try to improve their productivity, they have to try and tell them that, you know what, this business that we're running here is actually doing good things for people. And they have to, and they come up with all this psycho babble and rubbish to try and tell them we are doing good things, you know. Uh, so, but yeah, it's, and that's of course one of the reasons why this country uh, isn't exactly booming because the blacks aren't conditioned, the ANC and the communists have so conditioned the blacks towards socialism. Nobody really cares too much. Nobody sees business and entrepreneurship as something to be looked up to and emulated you know people don't say let's aspire to be like bill gates or warren buffett you know mm. people don't do that well we had a situation in the united states where we had some campaign workers for obama that were uh hired and uh, they were hired at 10 bucks an hour and they practically rioted when they got their paychecks because well, ten bucks an hour. We worked ten hours or whatever, and it's supposed to be a hundred dollar check, but it's not a hundred dollars. It's like eighty dollars or eighty something dollars. Well, of course, anybody who works knows that when you get paid ten bucks an hour, that's not what you receive on your check because there's payroll deductions. You know, yes. your income taxes are taken out of the check, and your and other taxes and and uh, insurance and whatnot, and so you don't get the whole amount. But what indicated was that these people never worked and didn't have a clue that what the rest of us were going through was that, uh, you know, that we would make, that, a, that, a, that an American who makes $60,000 a year pays about, you know, fourteen, fifteen thousand of it in various forms of taxes. Yes. D doesn't see all that money, you know. Um, yes. And, and it, it was kind of humorous to see this, that, that there is this entitlement, this... This section within the American society that has this entitlement mentality. And those are the people that were very much for Obama, Barack Obama being elected. And, and they had, did you, did you follow the election at all, the Joe the Plumber thing? I saw a little bit of it. I heard something about this Joe the Plumber guy that uh, McCain, I think, um, uh, I think he asked Obama some questions or something, and McCain publicized it. Something. Like yeah, it was actually on on the news, and I first saw it on Fox News. Uh, Obama went over to shake the guy's hand, and and he worked. He's a plumber, and he's been saving his money, and he wants to buy the plumbing business, or buy himself a plumbing business, and that uh, was concerned that Obama's tax and insurance policies would would create red tape that would make it uh, unworthwhile for him to realize his dream that he he really couldn't be. A, uh, own his own plumbing business, and, uh, and Obama said, "Well, you know, I'm taxing you really hard, um, so that the people underneath you can can make more money. I mean, wouldn't you have liked a tax break beforehand? Because what Obama's tax policy and insurance policies are is he's hitting employers uh, pretty hard, and he's hitting, you know, obviously those who make more than two hundred fifty thousand a year. But you know, people don't eat thousand dollar hamburgers." You know, most people who are wealthy, they their money's reinvested into larger and larger businesses, and really, their wealth is employed in in, in the in the case of setting up businesses that employ hundreds or thousands of people. So, if you start hitting these people with more taxes, one of the things Obama doesn't understand is that you're going to throw people out of work, and um, you're going to prevent people like Joe the plumber from wanting to set up a business and employ people, and so you're going to hurt productivity, you're going to hurt the economy, and the most ambitious 
hardworking people, I mean, uh, people that work, you know, 16 hours a day or, or 15 hours a day, are, are going to be dissuaded and say, I'm just going to spend more time with my family. What's the point? I can't really build, get ahead and build anything up. Well, you know, Jeff, it's, it's as if um, in your country these people are being sold on, on socialism and communism and they don't even really realize it. But it, a lot of those things that they're busy saying there is exactly the kind of stuff that uh, the blacks have been inundated with for years. And uh, they've been selling those lies here to them in the same way. Um, have you ever read the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad? No, I didn't. Okay, but it's written by that Japanese-American millionaire. Now, in Rich Dad, Poor Dad, he's got an interesting little story. He talks about, he, he compares his own father who was poor, and then he, he had another guy, a, a friend's father who, who became his sort of rich dad. And he compared the advice that he got from his own father with the advice that he got from the rich, friend, the rich friend's father. And so this, the rich friend's father says to him, um, who do you think, uh, when they invented income tax, who do you think it was aimed at? And he said, well, it is aimed at the rich. So then he said to him, who pays the least taxes? And the answer is also the rich. So then he says, so then his lesson to the, to this boy was, um, you must remember that the rich do not think like the rest of us. And the rich will use their wealth to get out of things. And Jeff, I've seen that in my own lifetime, you know, um, in these countries where they come with all these crazy schemes, the rich are always trying to buy off politicians and are trying to make all sorts of moves to save their money. And you can't blame them. I mean, that's normal. And it, but at the end of the day, as you point out, the casualties are the common guys. The guy who used to just have a job, now he doesn't have a job because the business closed down because it was, um, you know, it was killed off through through too much taxes and and socialism and that sort of thing. Yeah, a lot of people don't understand. And and in America, one of the things has happened, and I've been talking about this for 20 years uh, privately and and in my columns. Um, the United States has been going through a, a shift, a change. The electorate itself has changed. Twenty years ago, Barack Obama could not have been elected. He's too far to the left. He is, in fact, I, as I understand it, the senator with the most far-left voting record. Imagine that. A, a senator with the most far-left voting record being elected president in a country that everybody said that a liberal couldn't be elected in. 20 years ago, that, wow. that basically the Republican Party had a lock on the presidency because the people in the country wanted lower taxes, they didn't want socialism, and Ronald Reagan had made that understood. Um, the problem is, is that we, our educational system in this country has been captured by socialists. That if you go into education, whether it's from elementary to high school through uh, certainly uh, university education, um, not everywhere and at, and in all places, but in most places and dominant is the left, the, the yes. uh, political left and the belief, you know, the subtle belief that businessmen are, uh, dangerous, that, that, that business is right wing, that it creates all these social problems and that the uh, people that are going to save the country are the reformers, the socialists. Um, the utopian do-gooders uh, who think that the, the people have to get a bigger piece of the pie uh, from the wealthy, from the entrepreneurs and the businessmen. Uh, and, and, of course, the problem is, is that the United States, although it's not as encumbered as Europe with taxes, 
uh, with the burden of heavy taxes and whatnot, is still increasingly encumbered with public debt, both at the state level and at the federal level, and that right now, since we could not in most, in many states and municipalities and the federal government could not balance its budget in prosperous times, what is going to happen now with this major economic downturn? We are facing a public sector catastrophe. Already in the, the state of California, what we have seen is uh, Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, all of Terminator fame, coming forward and saying that uh, there's a 10% short in, a shortfall in budget revenues this fiscal year already, and they're not even halfway through the fiscal year. Okay. So you can see, now you've been through a kind of uh, socialist contraction already in the United States, uh, I mean in uh, South Africa, so maybe you can describe how this is going to evolve for us over here. You know, Jeff, among, among the things that I, whenever I hear the Democrats in America talking, the Democrats actually sound a lot like Robert Mugabe and the ANC. When I hear them come up, and I mean, even in the times of Clinton, when they start with things like the minimum wage. You know, Jeff, one of the worst things in the world is the minimum wage. The minimum wage drives people into poverty when you push that thing up. And I saw that in Zimbabwe. Um, in the time of Rhodesia, we used, to, um, we, used to, we used to have a sort of a funny dual economy in the days of colonialism where whites operated on one price structure but then you almost had like a, a capitalist subsidized price structure for blacks. And it looked, uh, on the face of it, it looks very unfair. But actually, it wasn't such a bad system. Because, for example, you might not pay a black guy much money, but you would see to it that you always give him food. Nowadays, so then when the communists took over, they only focused on the salary. And so then they'd say, well, you know, you're just paying the people $10 a month. That's unacceptable. We immediately, one of the first things Mugabe did was he raised the salary from the salary of like a, a common laborer from $10 a month uh, to $100 a month. Now, now, to put it in perspective, the common laborer who was getting $10 a month uh, was living off it when a white man with his family was living off $300 a month. So anyway, he would come and then he'd say, well, the, the salary must go up to $100 a month. And so the first thing that happens is most people who are, who are paying for those cheap, unskilled laborers don't, aren't, you know, don't derive enough benefit or even have the money to pay that kind of salary. So the first thing they do is they fire them. And so then overnight you have thousands of these blacks who are unskilled, who were eking out a simple living by doing a simple task and getting paid a simple salary for that task, now they have no job at all. And you see that large numbers lose their work. Only a few blacks um, retain their jobs because they perhaps work for people who are wealthy. And... Every time I've seen it in South Africa and in Zimbabwe, every time they raise the minimum wage or they push wages up, you just see more and more people losing their jobs and the jobs become fewer and the few who have jobs live better because they, they benefit from the increases. 
but the vast majority actually are much worse off. And most of those people, uh, most of those people who lose jobs are unskilled people, and they ha and often they never have a job again for the rest of their lives. So, you know, when people like Bill Clinton or the Democrats come and they talk about the minimum wage, I cringe because in, here in Africa we've seen the minimum wage being pushed up many times. And I'm telling you, it's driven millions of people to lose their jobs. And those millions will never be employed again. Hmm. That, is a, that is a tragedy in, um, in that part of the world. People, as you point out, people do not understand the response of the capitalist. You see, the capitalist also has to survive. And I say to people that, you know, look at Africa today, Jeff. Africa gets something, I, I, I'm not sure if it's how many, whether it's something like $25 billion in aid a year. Now, let me remind you that all these countries in Africa that, that became independent, these countries, when they were under colonial rule, were making money. And none of those colonial countries were giving anybody any aid. You know, Zimbabwe today gets aid, but when Rhodesia existed, it didn't get aid at all. And the, the point I make to people is that, you know what, forget about socialism. Socialism isn't great. Socialism's complete rubbish. Um, capitalism is the most fabulous system ever invented. A capitalist business does not need to be given aid by anybody. It is self-financing. It makes profits, and it takes those profits and reinvests them, and it grows. It is actually a brilliant system, and, uh, you know, it, it doesn't need any assistance to do what it needs to do. In fact, you should be, if anything, you should be encouraging people to make bigger profits. But in this modern modern age... It is almost a crime to say that you want to make a profit. It is seen almost as theft. But this is just communist claptrap that's become common thinking. Yeah, it, it, is, it is very uh, dangerous. And, and what people don't understand is that the, we live in the age of envy. And so people look at the system, they look at capitalism, they, they see problems. They see, yeah, people get hurt in a market economy. They lose money, they get cheated, bad things happen, sometimes employers abuse, abuse employees. And, and because it's not utopia, see? Because men are not perfect, and capitalism is not utopia. If they would only look at capitalism and the market compared to the opposite, the elimination of the market, the control of the market by the government, by the state, by some revolutionary group of do-gooders, then they suddenly understand mass starvation, mass executions, a police state. If you're going to regulate economic behavior, you have to have a massive police state because the most basic behavior that human beings engage in is economic behavior. And if you're going to control economic behavior, then you have to have the police spying on everybody. Every single thing has to be illegal if it's done in a certain way. And that's what they had in the Soviet Union. They basically criminalized the only productive part of the economy that existed and the KGB and its secret structures fed off that. They could blackmail everybody. Everybody had to collaborate with them because everybody had broken the law who was, who was actually doing well in the economy. Jeff, in Zimbabwe, whenever you hear about Zimbabwe, you will also hear them mention the black market. The black market is exactly that thing that you talk about in the Soviet Union. 
in Zimbabwe, there are all sorts of rules, but the free market is actually called the black market. And you'll see that it is especially prevalent in foreign exchange trading because they'll have the government rate, which is complete nonsense and bears no relation to reality. And then everybody else is trading on the black market because that's the only sane place there is. And, of course, the black market, if you make things illegal, if you make normal human activity illegal, you're, you are introducing an avenue uh, of corruption. You're, you're introducing corruption into your society so that people then think the only way to survive is to be evil. Yes. Uh, because that's the only way the government has told them that this normal behavior is evil, and so then moral confusion enters into the picture. You know, Jeff, the other side of capitalism is that it's the greatest motivator that exists. You know, you can, you can walk around with all this communist claptrap and you can say, well, you know, let's all work for the good of each other. The reality of that, my friend, is that once you start with socialism, it's a self-defeating system. Because what happens is you look at the next guy, you see that he's doing nothing. It's like affirmative action. You know, affirmative action is a very negative thing in the workplace. I saw it I saw it with whites that I worked with. Because there you are, you're busy doing your job, then you see some guy who's got less qualifications than you, less experience than you, but because he's black, he's promoted above you. So he's earning more money than you, he knows a tenth of what you know, and then you say to yourself, well, how hard should I work? Because he's sitting on his bum doing nothing all day long, and he's getting a salary. And all socialist systems also encourage theft. Here in South Africa, when the ANC started building houses for blacks, they called them RDP houses. Uh, this happened under Nelson Mandela. RDP was for uh, it was their redistribution program. And the minute they started giving blacks these cheap subsidized houses, you won't believe how many thousands and thousands of blacks went and crooked the system. They then went and used their buddies to go and um, try and get, uh, try to sort of claim more than one house and all that sort of thing. They were stealing from the very system that was supposed to, that was supposed to help them. And, yeah, and, and I mean, how can you do, you know, that in itself is self-defeating. Whereas capitalism actually encourages thrift, it encourages people to spend their money wisely, and that sort of thing. The minute you go in the other direction, you'll see it encourages waste, it encourages theft, it demoralizes people. You know, until, until you've seen the other side of capitalism, until capitalism is taken away, as you say, only then do you realize how absolutely fabulous capitalism is. Yeah. And, yeah. and well, I've contributed to that, I tell you. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, Jan Lamprecht, uh, AfricanCrisis.org, I want to thank you for being with us in this Wednesday edition of our podcast at uh, jrnyquist.com. Okay, Jeff, thanks very much for having me. All right.